Hello, and welcome to Check It Out at EVPL. A podcast from your local library. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your host, Ellen. And today, we're joined by Christina. Hello. Today, we will be talking about the library as a third place. Aaron, can you tell us a bit about what that means? So the third place essentially is a place that's neither work or your home. Uh, It's a place where you can still be able to go to, to relax, and not really have any major responsibilities. Christina, do you know what a third place is? Have you ever had experience with that term? I have heard a lot of places described as a third place. Um, Church is one. Um, Something like a cafe or a coffee shop would be another one. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah. And obviously the library. So the way I always heard about it was that your first place is home, which is where you're comfortable. Your second place is work, which is where you're professional. And your third place is a social setting. That's a good way of breaking it down. Absolutely. like I studied this. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a sociologist. So Um, what are some ways that EVPL is a third place to you? Well, growing up, um, it was always a place that... um, my parents would take us as kids and we could participate in a lot of different uh, activities that they were hosting that was my first uh experience actually seeing a clown in person me and my classmates and last time i saw a clown because i realized my uh, innate (laughs) uh, terror towards those beings of supreme horror (laughs) so no circuses for you um i tried again and i i just closed my eyes when the rodeo clowns came out. That's fair. It's a little bit unnerving how many of them they can fit in a little car. Yeah, yeah. It's unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they defy the laws of physics, and that's just not natural. I went to the Barnum and Bailey Circus once when I was little, and they have a clown who, like, part of his thing is that he has very orange hair that just sticks straight up okay. in the front. So it's, like, along the crown of his head. And then he's bald behind it. And so his his hair is just styled with, like, a lot of spray. So it just always sticks straight up and is wobbly. <laughs> That's my experience with Again, clowns. terrifying. Yeah, I don't think I'd forget that, that picture. So, uh, welcome to the cl- clown podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all clowns all the time. <laughs> what about you guys? Um, well, I also went to the library a lot. As a kid, um, I remember being like three or four years old, and my mom would have field trips to the local libraries where we would pack, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and we would go to like a different library each week. And then once I got old enough to read, of course, the summer reading program was a big deal. I was one of those kids that like would fill out the entire booklet and then come back and get another one and another one and another one until they told me to please stop. (laughs) <laughs> I definitely remember summer reading programs. They were so good. My favorite one was always Book It that Pizza Hut did, oh. where if you read enough books, then you would get a free pizza. So summer reading, clowns. What other kind of programs have you guys been to through libraries? Specifically through EVPL, we have several book discussion groups. Um, I have been a part of a couple And uh, we have covered several different subjects. Uh, We actually have like a dedicated group per subject slash genre. And we also have uh, one on Facebook if you don't feel like uh, being in person at this time. Um, My personal experience was with the Facebook group. That's where we read um, 
this side of paradise. It was a nice laid back experience uh, where you didn't feel like you were constantly being picked to participate. You just posted something whenever you were ready to uh, enter the chat. That sounds like a really great experience. Yeah, I always kind of wondered how it was because the Facebook book discussion is a little bit newer, isn't it? Yes. At McCullough, we have someone who's working on a gothic horror book club for the fall. Be still my heart. <laughs> I, I heard that someone here at Central is also working on a comic book one. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll have to talk to that guy sometime. It's just a new list of things you have to do now. <laughs> I really like your library field trips. Those sound fun. It's very fun. I loved West the most because they had the best puzzles. So you've you've grown up here like your whole life? Mm-hmm. Okay. Born and raised in Evansville. Oh, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I was born, we had one library, and it was probably about the size of West Branch. It was mm-hmm. a little Carnegie library because our town had 2,000 people in it. Aww. That so. kind of sounds like my situation, too. We had like... 1200 people and my library constantly moved because it would never be its own building it just be put in whatever uh, nook they could find it oh, um yeah for a few years it was right next to the wire department <coughs> at the commercial building so my mom would pay the wire bill while i <laughs> <laughs> hunted for the next book to keep me preoccupied i know that in some small towns you'll find a library like in the side of the post office mm-hmm. i always thought that was cool yeah, because you're just like, you feel like you've you found like a secret, yeah. almost. Uh, my childhood library had a museum in the basement, and I, I was very young when we lived in this town. I was, I think we moved when I was seven, and it was always really creepy because the library's daughter was my babysitter, so sometimes we would just hang out at the library, and usually one or two of my friends would be there too, just looking for things to do. And we would dare each other to go to the basement without turning the lights on and touch the suit of armor that was down there. <laughs> and it, it was the worst thing because it was an old building. And so it was always super creaky and spooky and terrifying. So back up, you had a suit of armor in this little museum. Yes, we did. Details, come on. I have no idea. I was four. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that there was a museum in the basement, and that is the extent of what I know. Did this museum have a focus of any kind, or just... I think it was mostly, like, local history. Uh, okay. How does the suit of armor factor into local history? Once again, no idea. Okay. Yeah, because this was It was great. It was amazing. Well, yeah. Because I'm just going to assume you didn't grow up in, like, England, so... No, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, our, um, like, all of the things I did um, in uh, large groups was usually done at the library in the town next to ours because, again, our town, super tiny. In fact, it was a part-time library. You can never really relax because the library was just kind of like, you know, I got, like, five kids coming in three minutes and got max capacity of four. Come on, grab a book, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, ours had a slightly larger capacity than that, but we did not have any sort of separate meeting rooms. So I do remember a lot of story times that were just at the one table in the middle of the room, and like all adults would flee once the children showed up. (laughs) At the one next to uh, my small town one, my uh, parents worked in the area, so I would frequent that one a lot. Like a deep, 
dark secret they would have tucked in the corner between two bookshelves that you could not see from any angle except for one specific one in the library. One of those automated storytellers. Like, Ooh. yeah, like, uh, kind of like uh, Chuck E. Cheese okay. sort of thing. And uh, the the voice was, it had been played so much, the voice was warped. Yeah, I, I experienced uh, the story of the three little bears as told by some type of demon, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have had an influence on my life, and I'm not sure. Okay, was it, like, Chuck E. Cheese robotic size, or was it just, like, a Teddy Ruxpin? It was, like, I think it was a Teddy Ruxpin. Okay, yeah. Teddy Ruxpin is boss, though. Yeah. I remember it would always be in the aisle situation where it would just be staring down with its eyelids closed, and then you press the button, <laughs> and it just kind of, like, slowly lift its head up. And then you're just kind of like, oh, is this the time it's actually going to, like, rip out the, the booth and chase me or am i going to be uh, uh regaled with a story of childhood sounds like both of you have had some very um what word am i looking for frightening experiences at the library good and frightening yeah it's it's definitely both i am very much of the opinion that as a child you should be a little bit scared which is why um we have a giant stuffed tiger at mccullough and my favorite thing to do is when the children ask me if it's a real tiger, I tell them that some people think it comes alive and eats misbehaving children. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's always a healthy dose of fear, but it is very much a chance for them to kind of explore that and be like, well, I don't think it's real. Maybe it is. This adult is telling me this is. I think this adult is lying. And it gives them the chance to kind of play with that. So then have you ever chucked that tiger at a misbehaving child? Oh, no, child? no, okay. no. The glory of the tiger is that it does not have to do anything. It just decreases the amount of people running through the building. You create the myth and let the imagination take it from there. Oh, definitely. And then it just lurks in the background. Yeah. I've been told I can't do this anymore, which makes me sad. Because <laughs> seri like, seriously, I only ever had one person who did not want me to like do this. And it was like a kid's grandma, and the kid was super into it. But a lot of parents were really into it, too. And they would remember that I had told their little kid this story. And the next time they came into the library and their kid starts, like, booking it back towards the kid's area, they go, oh, don't forget about the tiger. And the kid just instantly freezes and then, like, walks very slowly and respectfully. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly what that story is supposed to do. I remember for a while... I heard some kids over in the Reed Center talk about, with an air of mystery, about the, the pirate ship we have there because we did have the upper deck closed for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, people kind of took that little seedling and started kind of pondering and ruminating about, did something happen up there? And, and that not proposed by a staff, of course. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Theories. Christina, what do you think the children said? I have no idea. I have not heard the theories they just come up and ask me usually. Okay. And I tell them the truth because I'm really boring that way. <laughs> oh. See, I'm, I'm going to make a wild guess that is completely unfounded. Did these children think someone died there? They thought there was an accident of some sort. Ah. And I think that's the, the awesome thing about the collective imagination is, you know, most situations can be explained with, like, Occam's Razor. Oh, some kid just messed up. Yeah. Um, did something he wasn't supposed to be doing and... Are, uh, we just can't accept the boring explanation. We have mm -hmm. to run with it. Mm -hmm. And spin some magical, yeah. beautiful tale 
So I will say I did have some personal experience with EVPL kind of becoming my third place when I first moved to this area, which was in uh, late 2008. We had an apartment and we had laptops, but we didn't have a printer of sorts. So I actually frequented Central a lot to print off important papers, uh, like uh, uh, coupons, the most important papers. Of course. I have always owned a printer. I have never in my life owned ink for that printer. I mean, you it's easy to give up after you print three things and they tell you we're out. It's like, yeah. how is that possible? Uh, anyways, that did allow me to kind of like further explore the library. And based on what I said previously, didn't have like a lot of huge library resources growing up. So I was just flabbergasted mm-hmm. by the offerings here. And I'm like, wait, you guys have more than one library? Insane. What was the first section of Central that hooked you or, or tore you away from the printers? Graphic novel. Mm. We do have like a remarkably good graphic novel collection. We really do. You know, back in my hometown, like to get a graphic novel, you had to go to the mall, which was an hour away for us Ooh. to buy a graphic novel. I definitely caught up on a lot of reading when I first moved here. I was working at the library when I first met my husband and I like basically forced him to get a library card before I would go on a date with him because one way to get a new patron it really is it worked I mean we were chatting online for like a week and he told me he lived right next door to the library I worked at and I said oh you should come in and say hi and we can meet and I'll get you a library card and then I refused to give him any other options Some people have the requirement, like, you have to have a job for you. You have to have your library card. Yeah. It worked out well. All my coworkers thought he was a very respectful person when he walked in. So So how do you feel like uh, the library has helped you either connect to the community or learn more about it? When I moved here, the uh, the event board, like seeing all the things that were going on in Evansville that I had no idea. That was like my initial exposure to the community at large. I love it too because we have a lot going on in Evansville that people don't always think of. We frequently get outside groups posting flyers on our bulletin board so we have information about upcoming Philharmonic concerts and Mm -hmm. theater showings and different things like that and I think it's really cool that you can see all that just right when you walk in. I I know that uh, the summer concert series has introduced me to a lot of local musicians and groups that I even though I've been born and raised here I had no idea they existed oh yeah yeah and uh, I know that we do hold uh, monthly poetry readings Mm -hmm. I have yet to attend that because that's usually when I'm working but Mm. one of these days maybe hopefully yeah the difficult part about working at the library is that you have to work when all the cool stuff happens (laughs) I think the summer movies are also a really fun thing Mm mm-hmm There's something about watching a movie outside that just is so exciting. Especially given the the previous year. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that the library as a whole makes an effort to bring in music and, like, live performance, and they're not super stuffy about, like, oh, it's a library, we have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Now, the the summer uh, concert series, that was Mm -hmm. all virtual, correct? Or the, the last iteration of it? There were actually some in person this summer. Okay. Um, I don't know if all of them were, but I did help out at Oakland at least once, and we had a pretty good turnout. Probably 25, 30 people all spaced out on the lawn. 
Cool. Yeah. It's nice that a few of our branches have those, like, really big lawns where we can do those mm-hmm. kind of bigger programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys could add anything to any of our locations, what do you think it would be? Do beanbag chairs count? Because I would like a beanbag chair. Oh, my gosh. I love beanbag chairs. That's definitely on my list. I don't think there's any answer I could think of that could top that. I would also like to suggest we get a giant lava lamp somewhere. And that's just to fulfill my childhood wish of having a lava lamp and being told that we could not because we had cats. See, our manager at McCullough has a lava lamp in the window of her office. And it makes me so happy. Just anytime I walk past her office and she's in there, I just see this little orange lava lamp going nuts. I should buy one for my desk at work. Definitely. One one pet-free location. There's one thing I would like to add, but I also know why we can't add it, and that's having some type of video game collection. Why can we not have a video game collection? Because it is pricey. It is. I know we were looking into it within the last year at some point. I know there's also talk of board game collections, which is similar, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even um, starting with off with board games and then also having some tabletop games mm-hmm. as well. We're trying to figure out the logistics of that. Mm-hmm. We do have a fair number of Dungeons & Dragons handbooks. Yes, we do. So that's, that's nice. We have monster manuals and dungeon master guides for, I think, 5th edition and then 3.5. Felt like having a crazy weekend one week and getting a whole bunch of those rule books and sitting down with my replica Skyrim helmet. and <laughs> uh, But in all seriousness, yeah, I did. Uh, I definitely did want to check those out. And did there used to be a Dungeons & Dragons group with the library at any given time? Yes, there was, and I ran that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're talking to a certified nerd right here. Tell me about that. How was that? It was actually a lot of fun. We had consistently full attendance. We had to cap it at around eight just because anything bigger than that, it's really hard to run a game, especially when a lot of those people may not know the rules quite as well. And so you just can't let that take up too much of your time. But the great thing about it is that it's really player directed. So my first thing every session is just to encourage a lot of it was teenagers, to try whatever they wanted, no matter how crazy it sounded. And it it got us a lot of good moments and a lot of uh, clever solutions to fights and puzzles and all that kind of stuff. Cool. How long ago was that? Uh, It was before 2020. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think we ran it for two summers, and we tried to run it in the fall, but since school and work and activities were picking back up it really only saw attendance in the summer right so i'm hoping that next summer we can bring it back but yeah hopefully in person dungeons and dragons will come back it was really cool i pre-made characters i had blank character sheets for anyone who kind of wanted to figure it out on their own and we definitely had copies of rule books i brought in my own dice and my own maps and that kind of thing and it, it was really fun working with everyone and uh, you were the uh, the dungeon master, yes. correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, I found a lot of great resources online. I also have a lot of friends who play, so we have a lot of rule books between us. But also some of the sessions I just completely wrote myself and let the players kind of direct where we go. Ah, so cool. So as you can tell, I'm totally in if this thing comes back. 
I was going to say, this is one of those examples of like, what time is this? Am I, am I working? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's in like the middle of the afternoon oh. when kids get off school or like when kids are done with whatever kids do during the day. You should uh, do an evening one for library staff. Dude, we could totally do a podcast Dungeons and Dragons one shot. That's Ooh. a whole thing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like its own genre now. Yeah. Also, I have to say, I love how people referring to before and after 2020, like it's the new BC and AD. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Christina, you are the makerspace librarian. What kind of nerdy programs are you hoping to bring to the makerspace? Ooh, this is a good question. One that I should have thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, at some point, I would love to, once I get some better lighting um, and learn how to do it myself, uh, teach a class for like basic video and editing, but with green screen. Because I oh. think that there will be fantastic <laughs> potential there and let people really be creative and run wild. Still that sounds amazing. We have 3D printers. You could totally do a f- minifigure printing program for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes. Because then we can get like actual interactive maps for my program, and then <laughs> it will be a collaboration. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So basically, Christina it will be the purveyor of all things cool that you can do at the library in the near future. So you should definitely connect with her. I will try to live up to that. Aaron, you missed such an opportunity right there. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will be one with this brand one of these days. So given current times, you know, one thing that the library has been exploring is the virtual space more often. Mm-hmm. Making the virtual space like a third place, so to speak, mm-hmm. besides like the Facebook uh, discussion group and the virtual concert series um what else has the library done in that space we have filmed a ton of story times that are still available on our youtube page for different ages yeah i really like the chapter book story time that we have going on for kind of like older kids Mm -hmm. because i know jessica has been picking really fun books for those Mm -hmm. we've done some diy tutorials and craft videos we've done cooking videos isn't Mm -hmm. there a salsa club there is. There is. Where salsa. they make yes. like, yeah, different salsa every month. Have you made any of the salsas? No, but I've watched the videos and they look amazing. <sighs> Need to check those out. I think that's a, a whole nother episode where we just go and we each have to make a salsa and then bring them in and taste test them. <laughs> Ooh. I, yeah, I like that idea. Did you guys know that we did a recorder program at McCullough? Uh, I was a aware of this but i didn't really look into the details about what's going on with that i believe it was in 2019 over the summer and it was just a chance for kids to come in they got to keep their recorder they got to keep their little booklets of music and it it was a super fun program Uh, they learned i think three or four different songs and then like all the kind of basic skills that you need in order to read music and like follow the notes and everything like that how long was this program? It was, I think, once a week for a month and a half. That's that's still pretty impressive. Yeah, any program like that it just takes so much dedication. Mm. 
We also had robotics, which I know we did just this past summer. Because that, that's a fun one. Every kid got their own table, and they learned how to code robots. Mm. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. What uh, could the robots do? Some of it was pretty simple. Um, it is kind of an, an introductory course. And I think the kits that we use are through Kaibo or Kidbo, maybe? Kibo. 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 It's a hard word. Yeah. But Stacy was running that program, and she actually showed me some of what she was teaching the kids. And they have these different blocks that send the robots different codes. And it will say, like, go straight, turn left here, turn right, turn around, that kind of thing. So you could actually program your robots to, like, go through mazes and, like, stop at tables and, like, drop things off and that kind of stuff. And it's all screen-free. Yeah, it's all done with, like, physical wooden blocks. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. To introduce those concepts to a very young audience, like preschool. And it all has images instead of just words, so that when you have a kid that can't read yet, they can still see, like, oh, yeah, that's a a stop sign. I know what a stop sign. That means it's the end. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, that's fascinating. It got pretty intense by the end of the week. I know they got up to, like, repeating section so you would have to figure out how to make the connections to make your robot repeat a certain part of your code not gonna lie that's actually really hard i i I struggle (laughs) oh yeah like it definitely looked beyond my skill (laughs) set isn't there also a way to make them sing yes 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 there is yeah you can make your robot sing a little song Mm -hmm. well i'm glad evpl is doing its part to contribute to the upcoming robot apocalypse Mm-hmm. You know, start them young. Yeah. If we have people creating more thoughtful and considerate robots, I don't think our robot overlords will be too bad. I mean, if they can sing, at least it'll sound nice. <laughs> so to kind of get back to the library as a third place discussion, one thing I want to ask you guys is, has the library changed to you, like, in your perspective? Like, for example, a lot of us, were exposed to the library very young and it was a playful place um and then i'd say probably sometime in high school when they would start taking us to the bigger library for research it became like the uh the authority on information you guys ever experienced something similar to that it kind of depends on the library i've been lucky enough that the public library has always been that really fun kind of encouraging place Whereas when I was in college, the university library was very intimidating and, like you said, that kind of authoritarian, we-know-everything place. I would say much the same. The, yeah. the public library is kind of a mixture of education and entertainment uh, versus academic in, in college. Yes, it was a little more stiff, mm-hmm. I guess. More, more prestigious, more focused on your education. Obviously, I mean, they're on a campus. Right. I remember my university library had a summer lecture series, and they were supposed to be all kind of fun and interesting and a way for you to explore things that weren't your major, and they had snacks. This is very important. There were snacks there. (laughs) So a friend of mine went with me because I told her there were snacks, and we got there as a lecture was starting And the person leading the lecture called us down to sit directly in front of her where there were two open seats, and we had to sit through an hour and a half lecture on Old English sections of Beowulf before we could get our snacks. (laughs) 
I mean, that yeah. could be interesting if it was a good presenter. It it definitely was a good presenter. I have never read Beowulf. Oh. I had no idea what was going on, and she was saying a lot of things in Old English, and I'm trying desperately to follow her because she's so excited about it. Mm-hmm. But, but all I could... You're yeah. eyeballing that snack table across the room. All, all I could think about was the snacks. Mm. <laughs> That's why you give people the snacks before you start talking. Yeah, there was no graceful way for us to leave. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, I many times in college I would go to a presentation like that and realize right away, oh, this is not for me, but it was usually in a small room, one exit. There was no stealthy way to get mm-hmm. out. Did they plan it this way? I'm sure they did. They tempt you with snacks, and instead you get knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us this week on Check It Out at EVPO. Uh, Christina, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. Aaron, it was fun chatting with you. Same with you. And we'll see you next time at EVPO. Bye. 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 Why are we all waving? (laughs) Reflex. If you have any stories you'd like to share about your experiences with libraries, please email us at podcast at evpl.org.